Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Jeanette Washington. She is an incredibly inspirational woman who has really done a lot of things in her life, from being a school SLP to being a private practitioner to being an internationally sought out speaker and also a book author. Stay tuned for Jeanette's amazing story. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Jeanette Washington. I live in the beautifully snowy Detroit, Michigan, and my private practice is barely articulating. And you also have quite an Instagram presence too. Yes, I have an Instagram presence and you can find my Instagram account at barely underscore articulating. Barely is spelled like an actual bear though. So I love it. I love (laughs) it so much. Before we kind of dive into what you're up to now, take Mm -hmm. us back to the beginning, like maybe your post-grad school days, your CF, like what, what was your early career like? I finished up with my studies, we'll call them studies, <laughs> in June of 2011. And I hit the ground running. I got a position working in a local school district in Jackson, Mississippi. And working within that school district, I had about five schools and 45 students that I was seeing for articulation, language, and voice. So I, again, I hit the ground running immediately after I finished up my clinical fellowship and I found it, it was rewarding. It was also very informative, just hitting the streets like I did because it was so much training that I feel like I lacked. It was so much that I was learning as I was seeing students on a regular basis. I even think, now that I think about it, I even had a head start that I was seeing students at too. So it was just like, 
It was a lot. <laughs> was that a is home. a lot. Cause you were going to all these different buildings. You were, I'm assuming that the only SLP or, or one of the only people, right. If you're going to all these different places, it varied. Some of the schools, I was the only SLP other schools. They had such a large caseload that they had two SLPs. I was one of them that was coming in again. It was, it was a massive undertaking for me to just have gotten into the field and getting into the nitty gritty, but I was still springy and young. And I was like, let's do it. So I had all this energy. I was spending a lot of time at home, bringing my job at home, bringing it to home, rather creating different activities and looking up different articulation tools and and ideas. So it really started to linger into my, my home life which wasn't a great thing. That's kind of where I I am from about 2011 to 2015, to the very end of 2015. Nice. So you're, you're, you got running a little bit ragged between all these places, bringing a lot of work home. Yes. And at some point maybe, maybe wondering if that was a sustainable model for you. So what did you do next? After running myself ragged for a while, (laughs) I decided it was the summer of 2016, I believe. I decided to try out a private practice. I said, what would this look like? I used to get a ton of parents to ask if I would be interested in working with them at home. And when you're working with the school district legally, you can't work with the, well, at this particular school district, I don't know how it is in different states. Yeah, most of them. Okay. So you couldn't, you know, solicit services outside of what the the students or the parents were getting within the school. So um, I found that a lot of parents were interested in services outside of the school. They're like, we'll pay whatever, or maybe we can see if our insurance can take care of it. It was just a mass majority of the students I saw their parents were interested in this. So my wheels start turning like, hmm, what about if I started, you know, started a, a practice essentially? Like, how would that look? I, I kind of just did it. I thought of a really cool name and I didn't sign my contract that year. I said, I'm going to see what, it, I, I really took a leap of faith. I'm at the time I was married. So my husband was like, you know, I'll cover what you don't which you aren't able to compensate into the household. So it was it was pretty groovy. I was able to just go out and trial and fail and try again. And it was a lot of trial and error. So it was, it was awesome. I love that you did it though. I love how you were thinking about what if I said yes, yeah. right? You have all of these parents asking you, saying that they would gladly welcome your services, that they'd pay for your services. And you started thinking, well, what if I said yes? And then you did say yes. And like you said, took that, took that leap of faith. And you mentioned that you had some trial and error. So what was that, what was that period of transition like for you? It was very chaotic. (laughs) Extremely chaotic because um, there were so many things I did not factor in. And so again, thankfully I had a safety net. My um, husband was like, you know, whatever doesn't happen, I'll, I got you. So thankfully I had like a little safety net there, but you know, I didn't know how to promote and market my services. I didn't know how to sell myself. You start to wonder what your value is like. Like, how do I, I mean, it was so many things I did not consider when I jumped out into a private practice. However, it was one of those things I kind of learned along the way. 
because what I found was helpful is I did go ahead and create some flyers. That was like the first thing I did, created some flyers and got a logo, slapped that on there. And I went to some schools and, you know, I talked to principals and said, Hey, can I leave some flyers here for, you know, some parents, if they see that they, they need these particular services. A lot of the principals and the, the administrative staff was very receptive. They were like, yeah, leave flyers here. So then I got an influx of parents who wanted my services. And again, I didn't prepare for that. I just was like, I want to start a private practice. Blah, 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 blah. And, then, <laughs> and then I got a ton of feedback. People were really interested. People were emailing me and calling me on the number that they saw on the flyer. I'm like, oh my gosh. So now I have to actually get like a place to to have services where I can render them. And then I looked into liability insurance. So it after that, it was, I won't say that it went downhill because it actually was amazing from that point forward. I just had to put my pedal to the metal and, <laughs> and figure things out. So every day was was an exciting adventure. I collaborated with a college near where I purchased some properties to house my facility and I was able to get work study students. So I had work study students answering phone calls, following up on emails. So it was it was popping, to say the least. So how wonderful is that though that those parents or maybe not the exact same parents because it was yeah. initially the ones in your school district, but parents uh, in general really wanted you. Yes. Right? So not only did you, you took that leap of faith, but like they were there for you, even again, not the same people, but like in the universe, there were people out there, parents who desperately wanted either more services for their kids or maybe individual services if their kids were getting groups or just more time or whatever. And that they were, they were really there for you. What did your husband say? He was, he was here for it. He was like, and you know what? It was crazy because at the time he had just opened up a restaurant maybe six months prior. So his schedule was, it was pretty flexible. He was still trying to figure things out too with his restaurant, like with purchasing products. And it was, it was a lot. So he was like, you know, (laughs) you're doing really well. Do I need to shut the services down here and come work there? (laughs) Let me know. What what do I need to do? And I think it was primarily about the location because I was in Jackson, Mississippi. And it just seems like there, a lot of parents, first, are are very dedicated to their child's education. And second, everybody wanted individualized support. Like everything, because I had people calling about tutoring. Like, hey, can I get some tutoring on the side? Or can I, (laughs) like, wait a minute. So it was, I think that that particular location, again, the parents were very invested in their children's well-being. A lot of the, the People in Mississippi have that Southern draw. And me coming from, from Michigan originally, I believe when I would speak to, to parents or when I would talk to principals, they would say, well, she speaks very well. So if you, if you want your child speaking like that, then this is probably a, a start, a good start. So, um, and again, it could obviously have been because my dialect was a little different from theirs. Well, no matter what, it sounds like you left a good impression on people who were looking for additional services. So probably the two things just really hit together and was a perfect scenario for you to be able to start off with with such a bang. And how crazy too that in your household, you had two people starting businesses 
months of each other. <laughs> In hindsight, so I think that it was a great idea for us to both pursue our individual goals because those were things that we really wanted to do. Like my husband at the time really wanted to open a restaurant. That was his thing. He had went to school to learn how to cook. And he was like, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. And then me, on the other hand, I was tired of the burnout, the, the rigor of being in a school district. And so this is what I really wanted to do. So honestly, you know, the timing wasn't the best because we were both like figuring it out, but I can't see it having gone any other way. So. Well, it seems like it weren't, it went the way that it was supposed to go. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So, okay. So you, you started this, this private practice, all of a sudden you get this influx of referrals, but now you're trying to figure out like space and insurance and all those getting all your ducks in a row, like as things are like coming together. So what happened next? Hmm, that's a good question. So I ended up finding a property, hired some people and we made it happen. We made it happen. I did not hire any other SLPs, but I just hired a lot of support staff, like people to help me with my marketing, people to do my follow-up calls, people to schedule appointments for me, people to run my social media channels and make sure that everything is consistent across the border. So yeah, it, it was an amazing experience in, in Mississippi. Then in 2017, I decided to move because my husband and I, we parted ways. So I came back to Michigan. And so when I came here, I had a clean slate and I, I would have loved to have stayed there. But when you have a small child, it's kind of like, you really need that. I needed the support from my family. Having his family there was fine, but I really needed my family to, to be able to assist me. Moved here to Michigan. And when I came here with the clean slate, I was thinking like, hmm, what do I want to do? I know that I can easily go into the school system because SOPs are, are needed everywhere. Yeah. But I decided to do something a little bit more radical. I learned how to code. So I went back to school to learn how to program computers, to build websites, to develop apps. And with that, that just opened up a whole new playing field. Like, man. So, so since then, since I've learned those skill sets, I have been deeply invested in the tech industry, looking at assistive technology devices, AAC, and I've also been able to travel to different conferences and talk to software engineers or programmers about having special abilities, having language-based learning disorders, what that looks like, different ways that they can cope or different ways that they can use systems to support them. So it has definitely opened up a, a whole nother demographic, a whole nother market. And I will say this, every time I'm invited to a tech conference and I do a talk, there's always like a long line of people afterwards to come and talk to me. And I'm like, man, this <laughs> I'm definitely here for it. But it, it just makes me think like timing is everything. So right place, right time. Yeah, absolutely. And how cool for you just to, to keep an open mind to other possibilities, right? If this was something that you had, had kind of wanted to get into, and then you just decided, you know what? I moved. I've got a clean slate. Yeah. Let me see what happens. 
So have you been doing mostly that since you moved to Detroit? Did you restart your private practice at all in Detroit? What did things look like after, was it 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. So right now on a day-to-day basis, I work with a school district and I do provide speech therapy services primarily to them. I contract with them. So I'm still using the, the barely articulating umbrella to work with them. However, I've been getting a lot of requests to come out and speak at tech events. And I actually just got an invitation to interview with Microsoft. So a lot of doors are opening with this whole little tech component that I've added. People are really eager to learn how they can make websites more accessible to people who have dyslexia or who are deaf and hard of hearing or who have Erlene syndrome. Like, what do we do so that these individuals can still enjoy our content online? And they're looking at me for the answer. And I'm like, well, let me do some research. Let me figure it out. I'll get right back to you. I just love how your story has had so many little like changes to it, right? Like you thought you were going to do one thing, right? Like you thought you were going to do schools, right? And then all of a sudden this whole option for private practice opened up and you're like, oh, no, let me do that. And then, then you moved and you're like, wow, let me think about coding. And then kind of went down that pathway. And as you're, I feel like your energy is so excited about doing all of that. And you just have such a possibility to have such a big impact by going down that route too, like you can still do some private work, you can still do some contract work at schools, but how great is it that you have this other new opportunity to serve people in an even greater capacity, either through education to the people you're talking to at these tech conferences or different, I don't know, just all kinds of different options for you for how you're going to impact more people. I agree. It has, it's been a very interesting ride. I've had some highs, some lows, but I'm moving forward and I'm enjoying the momentum. I'm just this year alone, I have tech talks lined up in Montreal, DC, Barcelona, Spain, and I will also be going to Nigeria. I got the opportunity to go last year and I went, I did a talk on how people with special needs like autism or um, dyslexia can benefit from technology and how they can use technology for the greater good. That makes me spill into the book I just wrote. So the book I wrote is called Technical Difficulties, Why (laughs) Dyslexic Narratives Matter in Tech. And so this book is about how people with dyslexia can still benefit from gainful employment in the tech industry by using a couple different hacks or a couple different assistive technology devices or just how their unique sense of learning can add a robustness to the technology field that no other person or no other able-bodied person can provide. So it's, it's definitely a goodie. And this book is something that I created from traveling. Last year, I did a lot of tech talks, like, oof, I did so many. And I would see, again, like I mentioned, the lines of people who had questions afterwards. They wanted to know, like, hey, I have a son or, hey, I, I suffer from da-da-da-da. And it was just, this book is just a culmination of all of that. I call it an inspiratory guide because it really provides a lot of inspiration. I want people to know that just because you may have a invisible or it could be very visible disability, that doesn't mean you should count yourself out from the fourth industrial age, the technology age. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. So to have gone from speaker to author, I think that's something that a lot of 
the people listening are, some people are, are interested in that, right? Some people feel like they have knowledge that they want to be able to share with a greater number of people in order to increase impact. And speaking is one way to do that. Teaching at universities is another way to do that. Right. Writing books is another way to do that. So good for you for, for exploring these different avenues. Yeah, thank you very much. Everybody has a couple books in them. And I have been literally wanting to write a book since I was a child. And when I got back from overseas this summer, I said, you know what? There has been too many people who found my information that I relate to them about dyslexia or about any language-based learning disorder. They find it interesting. And I'm like, I'm going to put this out here in the world. You have to be brave to write a book because it could go so many different ways. (laughs) But I just like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Literally, I am my best case scenario. So I love that so much. So if anyone listening who was interested in, in maybe starting to do some speaking engagements or even writing a book, I realize those are two different things, but yeah. what, what would you advise people? Let's talk, start with speaking who okay. were interested in doing speaking either locally or nationally or even internationally. There are websites you can go on that have call for proposals or papers. You can easily complete those. You can tap into resources like my son's school. They recently just reached out and said, hey, we're looking for parents who have a skill that they want to share and we'll pay them to come. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to come and teach a coding class. So, (laughs) I mean, but that you can obviously do use that and speak about something that you're very passionate about. I think you really have to tap into our network because there are so many people we're connected to who have opportunities for us, but we don't ask. We don't inquire. We don't, maybe we don't think that we're, we're good enough for these opportunities. I think networking is, is so key to getting different speaking gigs. And what you'll find is once you do one, those people may enjoy you and they may connect you with someone else so you can come out and speak. I've had several instances where I've went to a place and spoke. I may have thought I did mediocre, but about a month later, I got an email and said, hey, you spoke at such and such event. I wonder what your schedule is looking like for next month because we'd like a speaker to come out for this. I've had my friends to set me up at their jobs. One of my really good friends, he texted me the other day and said, I know you do a lot of talk talks about disabilities and inclusion. Would you be interested in coming to my job and do it? And I was like, uh, why not? And so he sent me the email to like the HR personnel. She messaged me and said, what are your rates? We, we trying to get you here. How can we compensate you? What are you? So I will say that you need to really tap into your network for sure. Well, because I mean, as you're describing that, it made me think about just the value of word of mouth, right? Whether you're talking about private practice or whether you're talking about paid speaking engagements, it's the same. If you do a good job, people talk about you in a positive way, and then they share your information and then more and more people hear about you and it just can kind of snowball from there. I agree. I definitely agree. That has happened to me on a couple occasions where someone will say, hey, you've been working with this student and we want to see if you work with our baby or I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's get in rotation here. We also forget about how truly valuable the information that we know is to people. I think a lot of times we, we, we take for granted 
like, oh yeah, no, we, I, I just know milestones or I know mm-hmm. ways to help people with dyslexia read on computer screens better or whatever. But like that information is truly life-changing to the clients themselves, to the families, to school districts, to universities, to, to all kinds of employers, all kinds of people. And if we keep that information to ourselves, we're doing a tremendous disservice to society. I feel like we have an obligation to share the information that we have with others so that other people can benefit. Yes, our responsibility is to definitely serve others utmost. When you said that, I think about the fact that in certain states, they have a third grade reading law. So if the students aren't reading on the third grade level by third grade, then they're held back. So with us working in the space with language development, and even with literacy, we can provide tools to these different school districts. We can go in, we can do talks about things that they need to do in order to bring all of their students to a specific reading level. I mean, our profession is, is very unique in the sense that we can, we can do a lot. We can really do quite a bit with our knowledge that we've gained, we're just about doctors, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our knowledge is valuable and it's powerful to help others, which I think is, is incredible. Okay. So you shared a little bit about how to, how to get speaking engagements. And you, yeah. you said after, after being, being abroad and being overseas, you, you wanted to, to finally write that book that you had wanted to write since you were a little girl. Yes. So what was that process like? <laughs> so. <laughs> It was it was interesting. I had been writing this particular book for who probably since I moved here, moved to Michigan since maybe 2017-ish. I've been just taking little snippets of my thoughts and typing them down onto a document. And then I will do nothing else with that document and then come back to it a couple months later and add a little bit more as things came to me. So what I did when I got home this summer I pulled up that document that I had been like writing bits and pieces in. And then I had tons of loose leaf paper that I had wrote other information on. And I just said, I'm going to do it. So I I, want to say I utilized my phone and just start typing away, pressing those keys away. And I went through different phases. I had to get it edited. I had someone to look at it to say, what is, does this even make sense? And (laughs) so it went through a couple different stages, but I'll be honest, it took me about three months to get it out there because I was dedicated. I was very intentional with my time. And I felt like if I don't get this information out there, I'll be doing myself a disservice by not allowing people to know that despite their disabilities, they are still capable of some amazing things. And, and I think that's wonderful. Kudos to you for making it happen, right? For having the dream, having the knowledge, but then really putting the work into getting it out there in the world. Where can people find your book? Okay. So my book is available at Barnes and Nobles online. It's available on Amazon. It is also available on my website, barelyarticulated.com. And where else? It's in some local bookstores here. But I want to say that's it. Oh, you know what? I just got information about being in BiblioBook. So BiblioBook collaborates with different libraries across different states. They offer those eBooks for free. So it's also available on BiblioBook. 
if you all are familiar with that. That way you can just get it from your library. So (laughs) I love it so much. Okay, fantastic. Are there any other things that we haven't talked about that you want to share with the listeners? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I told you all a little bit about my transition from working in a school setting to private practice and now to doing more speaking engagements, but still contracting with a school district. Told you all about my book, which is awesome. I'll have a lot of opportunities this summer to do some speaking so you all can follow along as I travel to Paris. I'm going to be also going to Kenya and Ethiopia. So I'll be in some amazingly abstract and, and unique places. And I'll be talking about speech, language, autism, dyslexia, the whole nine. I'll even be doing some dialogue around technology and how people with those different abilities can benefit from these technological devices. And you can follow me on Instagram if you like. I'm trying to get my Instagram to a place where it is completely professional. Right now I have fun pictures, but I think that we are, you know, you need that fun picture every now and then. It helps people connect with you. Yeah, it makes people human, so... It makes the whole experience just just life or this reality. It's very authentic. So yes, I ha- I'll have some information on there. But yeah, that is going to be it. That's all I have to share. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your journey and for also just reminding people to keep an open mind about possibilities. Yes. And if opportunities arise, think about them. And don't say like a hard no right at first because it wasn't what you thought or intended or whatever. I mean, I bet Jeanette, if you were to go back to when you were had first graduated, when you were driving to those five different schools and head starts and that kind of thing, (laughs) could you have ever dreamed that you would be planning to spend the summer talking in Paris and Africa and everywhere else? Not at all. Not at all. It's only a dream. (laughs) I've always wanted to travel, but now it's so sweet because I'm traveling for a purpose or on purpose. So I know I wouldn't have imagined that. So the possibilities of of what the future holds for all of us, I think that we, we can't imagine what those things will be, but if we're open to possibility and to accepting really cool opportunities coming our way, then I think that's the an amazing thing about this life, right? I agree. I have to agree. I've been agreeing with you quite a bit. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jeanette, for being on and for, again, sharing your story, sharing all of these amazing accomplishments that you've had over your career, but certainly, yeah. again, over the last couple of years. And I just wish you the very best this year and beyond. Yes, thank you. And I receive it. <laughs> I love it. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned. And I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. 
there are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I wanna teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.